You know, uh, last week, um, pretty profound week in our church. We had all sorts of things happening last week. And last weekend was special. We had this 24-hour prayer watch. And, you know, uh, some of you were a part of that. And that was, that was a pretty amazing moment, uh, walking through this building and, and the experiences that were had. And then Sunday morning, we had um, our worship Sunday here, uh, calling it Worship at the Altar. And, you know, there was all sorts of moments for response, and many of you responded in a lot of different ways. And uh, I just want to recap a little bit what happened last week. You know, we had a couple people um, come to know Christ for the first time, accept Christ as their Savior, and step into a relationship with God last week. Which, yeah, I mean, that's a really exciting thing. I mean, I was was sitting there with a couple of the people just thinking, like, this person just stepped out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. You know, they, they, they just stepped out of eternal separation from God and began an eternal journey with God. And, like, that's just phenomenal, you know? And I, I said to at least one of them, I, I said, you know, there's angels just all over heaven freaking out right now, excited, you know? And, uh, and that's exciting. And I said, I, I know that um, I'm excited, too. And I said, when I tell our church about it, they're going to be stoked, too, you know? And so it, it's really cool um, that that happened. It's not the only thing that happened. I know during the prayer watch, um, there was many people who were really convicted of some sin, who saw some things in their life that they hadn't seen before. It was like, you know what? This is holding me back in my relationship with God. This, I, I'm not living the way that I could be living. This is holding me back. And, and God just brought that to them. That wasn't through preaching. That wasn't through anyone you know, beating them with something. You know? That was just God kind of in the, only the way he can, saying, this isn't best for you, son. This isn't best for you, daughter. I got a better plan. And, and just people releasing that stuff. There was people who last week started to sense something that they haven't sensed before. I got this picture as I was praying for these people of a heart that just has like armor on it. You know, like an armored covered heart that has like these joints that are welded. And then there's like, there's almost corrosion. It's so locked down. And then just the the hands of God coming around that heart and beginning to squeeze it a little bit and massage it. And there starts to be cracks in the armor around the heart. And all of a sudden, the mist of the Holy Spirit and and of God's goodness just kind of seeps through. And that heart starts to get soft as God begins to massage it and make it softer. That was happening to people last week who were engaging with God on a level they've never engaged with God before. Some of us had to be reinvigorated in our faith. You know, where we've kind of given up hope or given up faith about some stuff and we're just back to mundane, following, following the way of things of the world, just like, all right, just get through the day. And there was a, a, a resurgence of hope and of faith in people. And, you know, that's, that's a beautiful thing. We had, we had uh, prayer stations for elders to be praying over people and there was, there was a reconciliation in some relationships and there was... Uh, you know, some guidance given that people had really been looking for in their life. What do I do in this situation? And God really started to, to lay out that guidance for them. It was awesome. What's more is we also had some, some profoundly spiritual things happen. That, uh, you know, where throughout the week, ever since then, we had some people through the, through the prayer event who had some encounters with, that they were having a hard time explaining, and so were the rest of us. And uh, yeah, I'm, there, I was in a meeting with the elders this week, and we were about to, we were about to, dive into a topic that was a really important topic in our, in our elders meeting. And it dealt specifically with a person. And, and we're just about to talk about it. And uh, 
I get a, both an email and a phone call from a person that has like exclamation points all across it, urgent. I get the phone call. I pick it up and the, and the person's telling me, hey, I just have this massive burden on my heart to be praying for so-and-so right now. And we're just about to, like I was opening my mouth to have that conversation. And consistently throughout the week, there's been people having these moments where it's like God just puts a burden on their heart leads them to pray for someone at exactly the right moment. You know, and there's a, just a sense of, of God's spirit moving. And it's a really cool thing. You know, um, there's, when God moves, if, if any one of those things, if someone comes to know Christ for the first time, I mean, we should be throwing a party. And if someone's heart is softened, we should be throwing a party. And if someone gets guidance and wisdom, we should be throwing a party. And if a relationship is reconciled, we should be jumping for joy. And if, if you know, so on and so forth. But when all those things happen on one weekend, you know what I mean? Like, God is at work among us. And it's a beautiful thing. It really is. For the last couple of years, God's been doing awesome stuff here. God's been doing stuff at Parker Ford Church for a long time. Last couple of years, there's been kind of a special thing happening. And then in last weekend was a, a, a real breakthrough weekend for us. And it was, it was a beautiful thing. Uh, when God moves in this way, there's usually kind of two explanations. One is that he's got a task at hand, and he's just kind of pouring out his spirit on people in order to accomplish the task. And the other is that there's stuff that's already existing that we just haven't been living in the reality of. And then he awakens us. And we call that spiritual awakening or revival or renewal. When the power of Jesus rising from the dead, we're told is a power that's available to us here and now. But how often do we live in that power? Like when I face the difficulties in my life, how often do I really sense that the power that raised Christ from the dead is available to help me love this person right here who's just the biggest, hardest person to love, you know? And, and, and yet the power of God is available to me in order for that to happen. That the grace of God on the cross that has washed me from my sin and has completely cleansed me. I mean, I know that theologically, but how often do I live in the reality that frees me from all anxiety, that frees me from all guilt and shame and depression, that says, I got everything I need, man. He died on the cross to take my sins from me. And what happens is, is those realities that are very present, that God's help is with us. And, and those realities that are very present, sometimes God just pulls back the blinders off of our eyes. You might have remembered a couple weeks ago, Josh talked about in 2 Corinthians 3, how in the Old, in the old Covenant there was the veil that covered the face of, of, of the Israelites so they couldn't look into the glory of God. But then God says in Christ the veil is taken away and we behold His glory face to face. And when God begins to, to transform us, to see His glory and to be transformed to become like Him, something begins to happen. And when He does it with a bunch of people, something really starts to happen. And when he does it all at the same time with those people, it's a very, very special moment. And we call that revival or awakening. And on a small scale last week, we had a sense of that here. Where, I mean, there was people all over the place on their knees praying, asking God, saying, I'm sorry, this life is not mine, this life is yours. And, and the common theme across it was there was a sense of brokenness in us. Just a real sense of brokenness. When this happens... When God moves in these ways, inevitably what comes along with it is there's some spiritual things that happen. Just like a, a burden being put on someone's heart to pray for someone right in the middle of their need. What happens is, is there's kind of that awakening awakens us to our spiritual side. 
You know, we function so often in our minds or in our flesh, but the Spirit comes alive. We're people, multifaceted people, created in the image of God. And when we worship Him, we have to worship Him in spirit because He is spirit. And so when we begin to connect with Him and we begin to awake, some spiritual stuff starts to happen. Now I want to make something really clear. What we don't do at this church is, is chase after spiritual things. That's what we don't do. You know, and we're not looking for God to manifest in spiritual ways. Not at all. We chase after one thing, God. You know, that's all we chase after is God. We want to know God as he reveals himself in scripture, as he reveals himself in our life. But I also don't want us to be afraid. In moments when God's really moving, if some things start to happen where you start to see some spiritual things, don't be afraid. It's just biblical. That's what happens. In the Bible, when God really starts to move, there's also oftentimes spiritual things that start to happen around it. It's just a sign that God's working. That's all it is. It's not something to be sought after real hard. It's not something to be afraid of. It's God. You know, and he moves. And uh, it really is a sign of his gift to us, his gift of moving in our lives, of breaking us down, you know, and getting us to a place where we can connect with him. It's a good gift, what he's doing. And I want to stop and I want to praise him for it. Don't you think we should praise him for what he's doing? All right, close your eyes, bow your heads, jump for joy, whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. God, it is awesome what you're doing. I mean, I know in my life that I am always in need of you awakening my spirit and my mind to know your scriptures more. Awakening my heart and my mind to know you more. I need, God, all the time for you to just peel the, the, the scales off of my eyes so I can see you more. Because when we see you and when our lives come into focus and we begin to see reality again, everything changes. And all of a sudden we realize, like, what was I looking at and what was I not looking at? And God, you've been doing that in us, in each of us. And there's no one to give credit to except you. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Thank you. We appreciate it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, uh, God is a pretty, pretty stellar gift giver, isn't he? I, this is, he's got a few things going for him. I mean, he's got an unlimited bank account, his resources. He can buy anything he wants. You know, it's all there. He also has all the time in the world. And what's more is, is he knows every tiny little detail about our lives. You can't get set up any better to be a gift giver than knowing everything about a person, having unlimited resources and unlimited time. Like, he's just set up perfectly to give us awesome gifts. And it's endless. They're perfect gifts, and they never stop. This moment last weekend was a gift, but we don't have to be afraid of him, like, oh, we got to hold on to this moment and live in the day of glory. No. Man, there's gifts all the time. God's got a new gift all the time for us, constantly wanting to bless us. Here's the problem, is that when there's a big, endless pile of perfect gifts, oftentimes we get more addicted to opening the gifts than to using them. You know, uh, have you ever seen a kid at Christmas time when there's a pile of gifts? And there's like this one gift, you know, it's like, let's say it's a remote control car. And, you know, on any other day of the week, this would be the most exciting thing of, of, of his week. You know, any other day of the year, this would be the most exciting thing, and he would be all about it and be so excited that someone got him the gift. But on this day, there's this other thing he's hoping to get. So he's like, oh, that's cool. You know, and just going right through those and rifling through it. I heard, a, I, heard um, I read something this week about um, one sign of addiction is if you want something more than you like it. If you want something more than you like it, it's a sign of addiction. You have things like that in your life where you want it and you constantly feel the need for it, but then once you get it, it's like, eh, it's cool, but I really need it. You know what I mean? And th that's the sign of addiction. 
And um, I, Josh is praying right now in the back room, but I, I, I was talking with Josh about it. I'll just dime him out. He was like, yeah, I feel that way about cookies all the time. <laughs> I always want a cookie, and then I get it, and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good, you know. But um, that, that, that's, a, that's a sign of addiction is, is when we want something more than we like it. And a big pile of Christmas gifts, when you're ripping them apart, when a kid's just tearing through them and wanting to open the next gift, but isn't actually appreciating the gift, that's an addiction to, to actually wanting to open the gifts, an addiction to receiving gifts rather than actually liking the gift itself. And in a moment when God warms our heart, in a moment when he reveals his scripture, in a moment when he brings us to our knees and there's brokenness, that's a gift. It's a moment when he helps us to see things in reality again, when his spirit shows us what his word is all about, when his spirit just opens our minds to the reality of him working all around us. And that is a gift. And it's easy to say, man, that was a great experience, God. Thank you for that experience. And then move back on looking for the next experience from God. But that's not what he asks for us. He asks us to play with the gift, to use the gift, to make it work in our lives. The gifts aren't given for our entertainment of opening them, although they're pleasurable to open and to experience, but they're made to change our lives. And that's what they're for. And it's, so, it's important to not jump from one spiritual experience to the next, but to slow down and say, what is this about? And how does this change my life? How does this change my relationship with God? Jen and I, when we, before we started dating, we hung out a couple times, you know, as it goes, you know, you kind of hang out and, and uh, get to know. I had been chasing Jen for a couple years and finally I fell backwards after, after giving up, fell backwards into a double date with her. And after that date, we kind of switched, you know. Um, and, I, I started hanging out with her, and um, we went out a couple times. The, the second or third time, we, went, we were in Chicago at, at uh, Moody Bible Institute, also known as, known as Moody Bridal Institute. Um, Ring by spring or your money back. You know, that's the, the slogan. And uh, anyway, we, we hung out this one time, and a friend of mine wanted to go ballroom dancing. They, there's this place where you could get free lessons in ballroom dancing. And it was just like, we walk into this place, amazing ballroom. I mean, this place was like, it was phenomenal. Like everything, marble and just like, it was gorgeous. And so we're, we, go into this, we go into this ballroom and uh, they teach us like the waltz and a couple other dances and everything. I don't know, Steve, whatever they are. Steve's a dance instructor too. So uh, they, uh, they were teaching us these dances and I'm like, you know, I like to kick a ball with my feet. That's what I do with my feet. I was playing on the college soccer team at the time, figuring out the dance steps. I was feeling a little awkward, but over time, as they teach us, like you start to, to get it and the music starts to work with my feet and everything started to come together. And then they just, at the end of it, it was like the lessons are over and they just start playing the music and all the, the local amazing dancers come in and they start dancing too and you got to like join in with them and you just go into your dance and it's like, Okay, here we go. And, you know, at first it was intimidating, but by the end of the night, something really cool had happened. Like, it started to become fun. And that was a great time. And all of a sudden there was, in my opinion, some chemistry in the air, you know? And I was like, oh, man, this is great. So we get done. We, we, uh, we go back our separate ways. And I get a phone call from Jen a couple days later. And she says, hey, can we, can we um, grab a bite to eat and have a talk? And I was like, a talk, huh? Um, I don't know. Um, 
And I was pretty, sh- I, I didn't know what it was, but I was like, oh man, there's a decent chance that this is like, we had this great night and she knows it, but she's not interested in moving forward. So she's going to be like, you know, I don't want you to get the wrong impression or whatever. Um, and so that was one, one of the possibilities. But we had these, since it's Moody Bridal Institute, there was, the girls live in Houghton Hall and we called them the Houghton Hall Husband Hunters, you know, because it was like, yeah, it was like, it, it was funny how it worked at school. And they, they had like all these like idioms around, around relationships and, and they, there was this one called the DTR. Anyone know what the DTR is? That's the define the relationship talk. The DTR, so the big guy, uh, the define the relationship. And sure enough, it ended up that this was a define the relationship talk, you know. And so we show up at Johnny Rockets and we're sitting there having a milkshake and, uh, and she's like, so what's going on anyway? And I'm like, what do you mean? You know? And she's like, where are you at with, with this? Like, I had a good time the other night, but I really need to know what you're thinking. And it was like, I don't think either of us wanted to stick our neck out too far, you know, because there's the fear of the rejection and that type of thing. And so it's just kind of like feeling it out. Well, through the course of the conversation, we both realized, like, no, we're really into each other, both of us. And this is cool. And what's more is, is this has the opportunity to really move ahead. And this is not just some romantic night in our past that was cool. This actually has to, it could possibly be the foundation of something awesome, you know? And I think that at Parker Ford Church, for us right now, we've had some pretty amazing moments with God. He's done some awesome things. But I think it's time for a DTR. I think it's time for us to ask God, hey, are we on the same page with you? Do, what do you want from us? Like, what are your intentions, God? What are we supposed to be doing? What are we all about? These gifts are awesome. This moment was special. I, I, I mean, we're, when you reveal yourself like this, God, we are so drawn to you. But where's this thing headed? What's it about? Define the relationship. So obviously isn't the first time that God has moved in people. He moves all the time in people. The most profound movements happen when Jesus walked on the face of this earth, maybe. You know, when he came in the flesh, And he gave gifts over and over again. For three years, he did nothing but give miraculous gifts to people. That's what he did. He just blessed them with phenomenal teaching that opened their minds to the truth of God. With healing that changed their physical lives and their spiritual lives and all sorts of things. He kept pouring out the gifts and kept giving these special experiences. The base of his ministry was in Capernaum, a town called Capernaum. I've been to Capernaum, and now there's just rubble, you know? There's walls about this high that are left. No buildings there anymore. It's all just rubble. And they show you in one spot where they believe Peter's mother lived, where her mother-in-law, mother, mother mother-in-law, I think it was, where she was healed. And then they build a church around it. You can see, like, the little circles around it where it kind of transitioned from a home into a church. And you see all this rubble and you think about Jesus' ministry. This was the base of his ministry. This is where he operated out of. This is it right here. And all this stuff, he, he would heal people here. He would go here. He would teach here. All this stuff, you know. He speaks to Capernaum after he's done most of his ministry. It's in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 20. I'm going to give you a break today. We usually stand in honor of God's word. But instead of standing today, I just want you to stand in your hearts. Stand in your heart for God's word. But if you have a Bible with you, open it up and turn to Matthew 11, verse 20. If ever you want a Bible and you don't have one with you, there's a stand as you come in the door. The 
the red books of the Bible. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin, and woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Do you know what Sodom is? Sodom and Gomorrah? They're the cities that Abraham and Lot lived by and there was so much wickedness in it that God said he was going to destroy it. And Abraham begged with him to not destroy the city. And he kind of haggled with God. God said, yeah, if there's 50 righteous people in that town, I'll save it. And he haggles with God and gets down to like, if there's, was it, 10 righteous people in the city, then I won't destroy the city. And 10 righteous people could not be found in the city. And fire rained down from the sky until the city burnt to the ground. That's Sodom and Gomorrah. So immoral that God just annihilated it. What he tells Capernaum, this is Jesus, the loving Jesus, says to Capernaum, the base of his ministry, if what had happened here in Capernaum happened there in Sodom, they would have turned, changed their lives, and repented. And you, Capernaum, have received so much. You've seen my goodness. I've given you my gifts. It's way better than ballroom dancing. (laughs) It's changed everything. And yet you haven't changed. You haven't changed. Nothing's changed. It will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Sodom than for Capernaum. And he says that Capernaum would be torn down. And you go to Capernaum today and you see walls about this high and it hasn't been rebuilt because God's words do not return void. They accomplish what they set out to accomplish and Capernaum is still not rebuilt. It's a city destroyed because it didn't turn. But man, was Capernaum blessed. It was blessed. We've been blessed. We've been really blessed. God's blessing us as a church. It's an awesome thing. When he visits and when he blesses and when he gives gifts, he also has expectations. He really does. He expects that if he's going to bless us spiritually with these gifts, that we're going to use them. That we're going to use them for what they were intended for and that our lives are going to turn and change. That our lives are, are, are going to look different after he's moved. That can be an intimidating thought. I mean, think about it. If, if I'm responsible now because God has warmed my heart in a moment and has allowed me to see reality and now I have to change all of my life, well, that means, that, that means I have to change all my habits at work. It means that all this stuff that I do inappropriately, I've got to figure out how to change this thing and I've got to make it all work or else God might get really frustrated and upset because he, he went through the trouble to give us these wonderful gifts and I didn't change my life. And that can be a pretty intimidating prospect. But how in the world am I going to live up to the expectations? I didn't realize, God, this gift came with all of this. You know, maybe I didn't want it. Maybe I want the gift, but I don't like it. Maybe I'm addicted to the experience, 
but don't like what it has to offer. Jesus responds at the end. He continues on. Listen, I'll skip down to uh, verse 27. It says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now listen very carefully to verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, I don't know about you, but that seems like a, a what's, the, what's the rub here? Because he says that he's so frustrated with them because they wouldn't turn and they wouldn't repent. And to me, that feels like a pretty heavy burden to carry. You know, that the Almighty God might not be pleased with my level of repentance and strike me down because He's given me this gift and I haven't used it well. And then He goes on to say, my yoke's easy. My burden's light. You'll find rest for your souls. That doesn't sound very restful or burden-free. It sounds heavy and harsh. Uh, Yesterday, there was a women's fellowship breakfast here and before that there was a few ladies who get together and pray on Saturdays and Jen is one of those ladies who gets together and pray and then went to the women's fellowship and that meant that for the whole morning she wasn't going to be around which meant I was going to be home alone with the boys this is called boys day at our house and boys day guys day at our house is like it's 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 the best day of the year you know it's awesome every time we have guys day it's rocking and I'm just sitting there thinking like what are the fun stuff we can do and they love it and you know if we ever get past the wrestling matches everything else is fun too you know there's so much that we do in these moments and it's it's great well the day started off they knew it was guys day you know and they started and I had them like playing something and and then it was time to move on and get them some breakfast and they wanted to they didn't they wanted to keep playing this thing and one of the boys was like oh, I don't want to stop playing. And I was like, check it, buddy. I'm like, you don't know how much fun is in store this day. And if you want to figure out how to make your day fun, go ahead, have fun. But if you want to really have fun, then you got one job today. Listen to daddy. That's all you got. And you'll have the day of your life, you know. And don't get all upset when I tell you that we're done with this because I got a plan, you know, and this is going to work. Parker Ford Church, man, we have one job after a special moment like this. One little job. It's easy. It's light. It's simple. It's straightforward. We don't have to be smart. We don't have to be powerful. We don't have to be strong. We just got to listen and obey. That's it. One job. We don't, fi- we don't figure out how to change our lives. We don't figure out how to make this work and how to stop this sin and, and how to make this person see the truth and how to figure out how to do this. We don't have to do all that. We got one simple job. Daddy. No daddy. That's it. He's got a plan and it is awesome. It is a phenomenal plan. And the only thing that gets in the way is when we decide that we know a better plan for our day. And last week, he gave us a gift of brokenness. You know what brokenness is about? This is about when you get in your car and you're driving down the road and you hear that noise. 
that annoying noise in your car. That it's like it's probably not a good noise, but you just keep driving because you've got stuff to do and you don't pay attention to it. You know, brokenness is the moment when the light comes on and it says, check engine now, immediately, exclamation points. You know, that thing is the gift of brokenness in our life that says, if you don't check this out, someday you're going to be stranded in the middle of a snowstorm on the side of the road and God says to us, your life, the way you live it, in, under your control, it's not okay. The moment of brokenness is the check engine light that says it's time to reboot this thing and to start to trust me again. And he did it all across our church last weekend. And he brought many of us to a place of brokenness where we were just like, you know what, God? We need to trust you with our lives, with our relationships, with our minds. We're not smart enough to make decisions. We need you to guide us. We're not good enough to make our relationships always loving. We need you to show us what relationships are all about. We're not, we can't do anything to have a relationship with you or to have heaven eternal. We need you, your body broken and your blood shed for us. And now we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you a moment of brokenness where we lay ourselves down and say, this life is not mine, this life is yours. That's the gift they gave us, is the gift of brokenness, the check engine life. And in that moment, we can unpack that thing and use that thing in every area of our life. One simple plan. Listen to Jesus and obey Him. Listen to Jesus and follow Him. Don't chase chase after happiness, chase after Jesus. Don't look for joy, look for Jesus. Don't try to find peace, try to find Jesus. He is right here, right now, available to us. And our minds want to look at everything else. And our hearts want to turn to everything else. And there's only one thing we need to find today, and it's Jesus. That's it. It's a simple gift. And it's the foundation of everything moving forward. It was a great moment, but we don't want another spiritual experience, God. What we want is to be broken and dependent on you all the time. And then you can give us whatever you want, whenever you want, or not, and it's fine, because I trust you on Daddy Day, you know? And every day is Daddy Day with him. There's a few problems I'll name them. One is we tend to have hard hearts. Two is that we tend to have deaf ears. And three is we try to go it alone. Okay? These are our three big issues that keep us from just listening to him and following him. The first one with the hard heart, have you ever like just tried to will yourself into something that you just can't get it to happen? I'm so excited because I can finally exercise again a little bit because my shoulder's finally coming around. And you know, it was nice when I got out of this. Remember when I was up here preaching like this because I had that big thing on me? And it's nice to be off of that, but now it's like getting to a place where I can actually do something. And I was on the treadmill yesterday, scary prospect after being out of shape for not exercising for a while, and I'm running, and I'm like only 10 minutes into my run, and I am sucking wind. You know, I'm like, <gasps> you know, and I'm looking at the, at the, the clock, and I'm like, oh my goodness, the, the seconds just keep slowing down, you know? And it's like, 10 minutes and one second, you know, and I'm like, oh man, Tim, don't blow it, don't stop, keep running, like, don't blow it, you got to exercise, you got to, you know, and <laughs> this song came on, 
I had music playing, and this really good song came on. Next thing you know, I'm like, oh, that's a good song. You know, and it like kind of got my like distracted, and I'm still running. I'm like, that's a great song, and I'm singing, and then it like kind of like my heart turned toward God actually, and I started like thinking about him and praying with him and praising him. And next thing you know, I'm I'm running on this thing, and I'm looking down at my arm, and I'm like, a few weeks ago I couldn't run because my shoulder hurts so bad, and I'm running on this treadmill right now, and it's awesome. Like I can get in shape now, and I'm like, praise you God, and I'm so excited. And I look down, and my time's up, and it just went like that. Isn't it amazing how different things are when all of a sudden the perspective changes? Listen to what God says he's going to do. Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. In Ezekiel, he says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors and you will be my people and I will be your God. How cool is it to think about God's commands not being something burdensome, but being something freeing? You know? It's one thing to like, here's the rules. God gave me the rules, and i got to be really disciplined, and i got to stick with it, and I feel guilty if I don't, and whatever, you know? That life is a tough, tough life to live. He takes those same laws and he writes them on our hearts and he writes them on our minds and we get to the point where we believe that he has our best interests in mind and we begin to trust him and say, all I want is to know your commands more so I can follow them more. All I want is to know what it is that you want for my life now, God, so that I can live in it more. Forget my stuff. Forget all the things that I thought were great over here. They're empty. They're void. I want to know what you want for my life. Give it to me. Just tell me. God, I want it. I won't feel like a burden anymore. I just want it because I want to follow you. That's the way it can be when he gives us a new heart. Second thing is we have deaf ears at times. We don't know the scriptures. So it's hard to know what he's saying. And we don't have a real sensitivity to his spirit, so we can't sense how he's leading us at times. I want to give us a practical application on this level. Real practical. We're having a, I'm going to be teaching, um, Josh and I are having a series on rules for holy living. This is going to be, if we want to live with God, just how he lays it out in each segment of our life. You know, when it comes to our finances, when it comes to our, our uh, relationships, our marital relationships, our family relationships, when it comes to sex, when it comes to all sorts of things, how does God want us to view these things? How does he want us to view them? And how does he want us to act in, inside of those? And we're going to have a series. But you know, when, when the word is being taught and when God's giving us direction, there's one really important thing. If it's happening at church, you've got to show up, you know? And you're all here and it's wonderful. That needs to be a consistent thing if we need to hear from God. And this isn't trying to follow the rules. You know that this is like, this is God writing it on our heart and he's putting the best interest that he has for us. But we need to be educated. 
We have Sunday school electives that educate us. We have journey groups and journey men and journey women and all sorts of stuff that educate us. This is to help us hear and understand and know what is it that God wants for my life. This isn't me trying to sell a program. The last thing we need is more stuff in our life. We need one thing in our life, to know God and to follow him. But you can't know him without reading those scriptures, understanding them, and without engaging on deeper levels of understanding what his spirit is communicating to me. And so next time we have a prayer event, some of you came to this prayer thing and were completely blessed because you heard from the Spirit. God moved in your life and you're learning to be sensitive inwardly to the movement of God. Next time, the rest of you, join in. Man, it's a moment. You know, it's a moment to engage and learn. The last thing, we we have a problem with a hard heart. We have a problem with deaf ears. And the last thing is that we try to go it alone. You know, and this journey of following God Sometimes you're on the treadmill and no matter how hard you try, you just can't find the song that changes your mind. You just can't get yourself to be excited about being on the treadmill. It's just hard. And then what you need is you need another person on the treadmill right next to you, you know? And uh, we, the early church was all about this. All they did, they met together every night in each other's homes and they would hear teaching and they would pray together and it was like the broken prayer. You remember the guy who says to Jesus, I believe, Lord, but help me with my unbelief. It was like, I want to trust you more. I want to follow you more, but there's a part of me that's still a hard heart, that's still a deaf ear, and that still tries to go it alone, and I just can't get there. Help me with my unbelief. That was the prayer of a community of people. You know, after the day of Pentecost, they woke up the next day, and there weren't tongues of fire on people's heads. You know, they woke up the next day, and life went back to normal. And they had to figure out, how do I live for God when I just had this amazing experience and now it's just life, you know? And in that moment, it requires a community of people broken before God together, saying, God, we believe, but help us with our unbelief because the power has not changed. Your presence has not changed. The reality is, is that between yesterday and today, you haven't changed one bit. The only thing that's changed is where my eyes are looking. That's it. It's the only thing that changed. And a community of people coming together, praying, asking God to keep us encouraged, to keep our faith together. You know what that's called? Church. That's called church. And we need to be church to each other because we need God desperately. You remember why we were broken in the first place? Because we said this. We're not good people in need of a little spirituality in our life so we go to church. We are broken people. We were intended to live with God, for God, and like God. And we've blown it on all three levels. And so we come to the foot of the cross and we say, Jesus, you have cleansed me from my sin. Wash me and make me new again. And when he visits us and when he opens our eyes and we see what's happening around us, the expected effect is that it will change us to live life with God, for God, and like God. And when we come before him as a community, we say, God, we don't know how to do this. We don't know how to live the way we're supposed to. But one thing we do know is that your burden is light and your yoke is easy, but my eyes are easily distracted. And I need your help. And my brothers and sisters need your help. So again, we get on our knees and we say, God, keep us on track. Amen? Let's pray. I am guilty, God, of being a guy who really likes to open the gifts sometimes.
I love the encounters with you. They're awesome. I mean, how could we not love a moment when we sense your presence and sense you moving? When we, our hearts are strangely warmed and our minds are awakened to new levels of understanding of the scripture. And those moments are just spectacular moments, you know? And I would love to make my life just one one moment to the next, one gift to the next, one experience to the next. But that's not our call. Our call is not to just have the great experience. Our call is to walk with you and to follow you. And God, we can't do that on our own. We can't even do it together with each other without you. We need a new heart and we need new minds, the renewing of our minds, open ears. And God, we need each other. And we need the discipline to really stay connected, consistently connecting with one another. We have opportunities all the time at our church to connect with one another, to to learn your word and, and to have renewed hearts. But sometimes there's all sorts of other things that crowd it out. And God, I just ask for the courage for each one here to just be like, no, this is what my life's about. And I will change my life to be following you and nothing else. Life doesn't have to be this complicated, God. It doesn't have to be this noisy and this busy. It can be simple. Follow you. Obey you. It doesn't mean it's easy, we know. But it does mean that it's simple. And God, we long for simplicity in a world of complexity. And you've given us a path to walk. And it's a narrow path. It's not broad and full of confusion. It's narrow and precise. And there's footsteps that we follow. We follow after you, God. Give us a new heart. Massage our hearts so we can feel you. Break down that armor so we can sense you and receive you. And then God, give us a new, renewed heart so that we can serve you with every fiber of our being. And on that day when we stand there with the people of Capernaum and the people of Sodom and we see all the things that you have blessed us with, we ask that on that day we will look back and we will hear you say, You found me when I revealed myself and you stayed with me when I walked forward from that moment. And because of that, I changed your life and I changed your world and I changed your neighborhoods. And on that day, God, we want to hear those simple words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. 